Welcome to Shoot the Breeze with Alexandre Marie. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Alexandre Marie underscore talks. Shoot the Breeze with Alexandre Marie is a podcast where we will discuss everyday topics that are affecting the Black community from mental health, education, sexuality, spectrum disorder, the Black dollar, the Black culture, Black businesses, Black relationships, and more. This is Shoot the Breeze with Alexandre Marie. And remember, what consumes your mind controls your life. Hey fam, how is everyone doing? I hope everyone is staying safe out there with the virus as well as these protests. I do want everyone to be vigilant and safe and careful first and foremost. I am super stoked for the guest today. She's a lawyer She's a single mother. She is a strong, independent black woman. She's a podcast host. She's an entrepreneur. She also has a radio station um, show as well. And ding, 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 ding for my Haitian American friends. She is also Haitian American, which is a plus. You know, we got to represent a lot of our people, right? Um, For my Haitian Americans out there, for my Caribbeans out there, you know, like we need to stick together, band together and represent one another. Stop allowing, you know, food and colorism and all of that to separate us. We're one. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to the show today, Miss Rita Pierre. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Shoot the Breeze with Alexandria Marie. I am joined by Rita Pierre, host of Frida's World, right? Yeah, Frida's World podcast. (laughs) And I know you have a radio show, too. What's that? Yes, according to RP. According to RP, good. Suck up, fat madam. You're supposed to be on here. I know, I know. You know what it is? I think I was just confused as to what exactly <laughs> was going on. I'm like, wait, are you, are you coming on my show? Am I going on your show? But I know it should have been a, it's a long time coming, but I feel like there was always something going on. But I'm really happy that I finally was able to make it onto your show. Yes, yes. So you guys, she was supposed to be on season two, but no problem. She, I mean, season one, actually, no problem. But she is here with me today on season two. So why don't you tell the world a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, as uh, Alexandra Marie stated, my name is Vita Pierre. I'm Haitian American. I was uh, born in the United States. Um, I am an attorney here in New York City. I've been an attorney for about eight years now. I am the mother of a beautiful 13-year-old boy who didn't go to high school. I'm the owner of a nice little cat called Chester. 
Um, <laughs> wow. <and cats. laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because growing up, you know, we always had cats around to be like, you know, the trash receptor, as I used to call them. They were there to, you know, eat whatever leftover foods or ch- chase away mice. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say as of, I think it was maybe what, two years, almost, almost two years now. Um, I just kind of felt like some sort of, um, I don't know, I felt like some sort of emptiness in the house. And I thought that maybe having a pet would be cool. And I can't have dogs in my building. So I was like, you know what, let's let's try a cat. So I ended up getting this cat. And he's not the typical cat. Most people think cats are very, you know, standoffish. This one cannot get enough of you. So <laughs> I lucked out. I You're lucked out. Not a out. cat person over here. Uh-uh. <laughs> you have you to know- be Chester. <laughs> no, no, no. I couldn't say I seeing you They, they devilish. You know, I we know. grew up thinking cats are so <laughs> and I can, and I can see why because a lot of cats are very very stand you know they're very odd but this one is like a it's, he's very his breed is dog like um, most of these are like the Garfield cats these are the cats like the Puss in Boots looking cats they're very uh-uh. dog like in their behavior ah <laughs> uh, ah uh. <laughs> I can't I can't no 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 man you mm-hmm. can keep your cats oh boy. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Aside from the cat though, I think that's pretty much me. Um in a nutshell, you know, I'm very proud of being, you know, Haitian American. Um, uh, you know, I've been a part of a lot of grassroots groups out here in Brooklyn. I'm the former president of the Haitian Lawyers Association. So um, you know, I've been pretty active, I would say, over the course of my life. So Okay, that's good. That's good. So lawyer and she's Haitian. I say that the way I'm saying it because she knows, right? <laughs> you can't be a lawyer and be Haitian. That's not what our parents want you to be. Uh, they want you to be a few things. It's the nurse. Doctor, the <laughs> nurse. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, trust me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Um, um I'm very glad that you asked that because it's still a thing. The whole um, Haitians need to be nurses thing. Um, When I decided, I decided that I wanted to be a lawyer since I was eight years old. I had prior to that wanted to be a scientist. But then when I was eight, I said I wanted to be a lawyer. I used to watch a lot of Matlock coming from a Haitian household. The Haitians, you know, they cut the cable early. So we were watching local television. And so Murder, She Wrote, all of those types of mystery shows I was watching. And... As the years went by, you know, I took classes, I joined like debate teams and and teen court programs just to see if I truly wanted to be an attorney. I think my mom thought I was still joking the entire time. So when I graduated, um, you know, high school and I said I was going to go to college and, you know, take, you know, government politics to be a lawyer, she was like, ah, whatever. She's like, why do you want to be a liar? She's like, why don't you just be a nurse? That's what my mom told me when I wanted to be a lawyer too. Yo. I was like, all right, and that stuck with me. Oh yeah, and I just didn't do it. So yeah. kudos to you. Yeah, she was not. They were not very supportive. They're like, well, you know, why don't you just become a, a a nurse? I don't understand. And then when I graduated law school, at my law school graduation party, she took the mic and told everybody, you know, I still don't understand 
why she thought that she could be a lawyer when she could just be a nurse, but whatever. <laughs> oh my God. Are you, no, she no. didn't do that. Oh, it's on video. It's on video. <laughs> like she, <laughs> she was not, she was very serious and she, she made sure the world knew that she did not support this decision. <laughs> Yeah, but oh yeah, my mother doesn't play games. But the funny part with these Haitians, though, now that I am a lawyer, now it's like she's you know referring me all sorts of cases. Oh, Saintel, besoin au monde fait papier immigration police. It's like, <laughs> ma- like, ma'am, <laughs> are you even an immigration lawyer? I mean, I'm not an immigration lawyer, but I've done Im- I mean, I do immigration stuff like on the side. You can't be a Haitian attorney and not dibble and dabble with immigration stuff. I used to do clinics, mm-hmm. pro bono clinics for the church and things like that. Because a lot of it is just like form stuff, right? Um, applications and things like that. But yeah, she w- she'd go around recommending me. Like she would go around, you know, oh, you have a landlord tenant issue? I'm like, I am not a housing <laughs> attorney. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a little research for you, but I'm not going to court for you, you know? <laughs> right, right. So they don't want to support you, right? No. But they always want to use you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> use you. Oh, yeah. Use you, use your status. Petit moche, avocat, oui? And it's like, where was this enthusiasm, you know, when I was you know, going through school? <laughs> Man, man, yo, these, I'm telling you guys, yo, Haitian mothers, they, there's something else. Yeah. All right. There's no <laughs> other like race. I don't care what nobody tell me out here. There's no other race. Oh no, they're superior. That, <laughs> like Haitian <laughs> mothers. Okay. Like, yo, yo, I'm telling you. Oh my goodness. So the pandemic, the pandemic. Oh my gosh. <sighs> You're from New York. I live in Jersey. The two states out here that, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't. I just. Yeah, we, we've been hit pretty hard up here in the Northeast. Jersey, New York, I think we're like the, you know, the hardest hit really. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I was funny enough, you know, talk, speaking about my mother, you know, today's Haitian Mother's Day, I came by to my mom's house just to, you know, see what's going on. Right. Happy Haitian Mother's Day. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Thank you. So I came here and of course, you know, I got my daily dose of comedic relief dealing with her. Um, and we were just talking about what's been going on. You know, I haven't seen her for a couple of months because of the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, just we were you know, just talking about how everything has changed overnight and how it doesn't look like the you know like it's going to get any better really i mean although the cases are slowing down but in terms of the economy in terms of travel in terms of everyday life it's going to be a while before we get back to to, to what used to be a normal right i believe it yeah. but you know what i just i don't know i keep telling people that uh this is all government made. I don't mm-hmm. know. Something's telling, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, really? You're giving us money? I mean, they always bail out companies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But to give us citizens money, even ones that have money already, and then that whole extra $600, it's kind of like hush money. I always said it seems like hush money because 
universe forbids if one of us ever finds out that, you know, the United States or, or you know, China, whoever was using this to weaponize it, all hell will break loose. Something yeah. just never added up for me. I don't know. I totally agree with you. And I tell people, you know, from the jump, I am not a conspiracy theorist. This is not, you know, I don't spend my life looking for conspiracies. But at the end of the day, some some of these things, like you said, it smells funny. And just with the little tidbits that, you know, are thrown out um, there from either the internet or YouTube or whatever the case is, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like this was just organically like when we were talking about some of the other like my mom again we were talking about some of the other you know health pandemic crises that took place this is just a, a, mm-hmm. a totally different beast of its own the way that it's affecting people disproportionately um it, it just it's it smells like I, I it smells like something definitely you know was created in the lab and uh disseminated you know whether it was by accident or whether it was intentionally maybe they didn't realize that it was going to take this much of a toll but you know prior to this there was so much pressure on climate control on on you know population reduction and then you know reduction of 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 co2 gases and for me it just i feel like there's definitely an agenda going on in the in this the coronavirus was part of the agenda right right in my last episode i was with my um audio engineer and we were talking about the whole population control the whole um bill gates Mm-hmm. and how he's trying to come out with the, this vaccine. Let me tell you now, everyone that's listening, I am not, okay? Mm-hmm. That vaccine, I don't care. You're going to fire me. My kids can't go to school. Okay, bump that. I don't care. They Then they don't need to go to school. Nobody I know is taking that vaccine. Yeah, no, it, like, it's not happening. <laughs> I'm like, if this becomes mandatory, whatever the last, 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 last camp of people... <laughs> that has to be <laughs> that's gonna uh, they don't even understand the, 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 this virus to begin with and now you're going to inject this thing into people and you don't even understand like you know its capabilities what ha- like you don't you're still learning every day what this thing is about so mm-hmm. I just feel like they don't have enough information to actually, um, you know, move forward with this type of, of vaccine and for it to be successful. I'm not going to be a guinea pig for anybody. Exactly. And the black, commun- the black community is going to be the guinea pig because, you know, we're the ones who are disproportionately, um, you know, affected by this thing. And so they can keep their vaccine. I will drink my tea or whatever. <laughs> now, you know, Louis Marquette, Jean, cinnamon. Listen, Gar- garlic and onion. Yes. <laughs> Don't forget the citron now. Not lemon, yep. lime. Don't forget. <laughs> yep. I will wear, I will walk around with a clove of garlic on my neck if I have to. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But you know what it is? I must admit, I did have like recently like this this COVID scare, um, and it's it's due because I'm still working and I have mild asthma and I have mm-hmm. to wear this mask for you know six plus hours on end. Mm-hmm. But even though I had this scare, you know, universe forbid, 
I, I, I didn't feel like, I was like, okay, if I have the virus, sort of, my mom was like, listen, listen, it's Sunday, Sunday, look, let me give you the seawall, seawall mm-hmm. video. Yep. <laughs> you're fine. You're good. You wear your mask, you, you're clean, you wash your hands. She's like, nothing wrong with you. It's the as it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yep. If it is, I got you. <laughs> yep. Let me tell you, what's that medicine? Like these, all of these Haitians have a degree, have a degree from WhatsApp University Medical School. Okay. <laughs> because my mom hit me up with the, oh, bouillet pejouan. And then cover your head. Cover your head over the... I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But it's... Yeah, no. The what's... I'm telling you, they they are all certified physicians from WhatsApp University Medical School. I'm telling you. All of them. And the whole G-Wolf thing. For real, I don't know any Haitian American that eat that. It's no. all just the ones from That thing is disgusting. Yeah, no. Never. Everything. And the crazy part, every one of these remedies, Jouf is like a main, <laughs> it's a main ingredient. <laughs> it's a main ingredient. Oh, oh my gosh. My <laughs> so with all this newfound time, are you in, are you working on anything new? Adding to your like array of like businesses entrepreneurships and just things that you do is there anything new i am actually i mean so aside from just you know creating more content for both the podcast and you know the radio show um just trying to be you know relevant online is 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 important because everybody's at home now everybody's a you know a talk show host on instagram so you have to you know create you know and and kind of keep up with the curve and make sure that creating has some sort of substance to it. So that's been, you know, a big thing, you know, having the time now to create more and be more thoughtful. Um, also, so um, I had a an accessories company, Women NYC. It was an accessories company, but it was also, you know, had another half of it that dealt with, you know, empowering women through workshops and things like that. And so I had wanted to kind of move away from the commerce side of it and actually just focus more on the, you know, workshop seminars and things like that. Um, so I had actually been in communication. There's another organization I work with that works out of Haiti. And then I had um, a woman that I was really close with who actually lives in Nigeria, who has a, you know, a, a, a women's group there. And we were actually mm-hmm. just all having this discussion. And so I decided to change the name of the business to uh, Frida Women International. And so focus now was really going to be to equip women, not just here in the United States, but, you know, in, you know starting off in Nigeria and Haiti and um, showing them how to be self-sufficient. And so that's kind of what I'm working, I'm dedicating more time to now, particularly with the group in Nigeria. Um, she works with a lot of young mothers and a lot of them, you know, were either raped or they had to marry off early in order to actually take care of their entire family. And so that was kind of how they were able to, you know, move, for, move forward in life. And so now it's just trying to figure out ways and getting resources to these young women to teach them how to be self-sufficient so that don't have like they don't have to marry these 50 year old men um mm-hmm. in, or- in order to actually you know take care of themselves and their families so you know that it's always a little difficult when you're dealing with international partners but that's what you know we're slowly developing making sure that you know if when we're doing it we're doing it right 
you know, we're not just jumping into something. So I kind of had the page on pause for a while as I sat through and figured out, you know, what I'm going to do. So that's one of the things. Um, writing is something else that I'm doing more of um, and like blogging and things like that, getting pieces together. And I think lastly, just like learning, you know, learning languages um, for, for my entire life, I've always been trying to learn Spanish and it never happens. So now I've, <laughs> it never happened. So now I'm like, oh, let me do that. You know, let me actually put some time into Spanish is like the se the second unofficial official language of America. So, right. So, mm -hmm. so that's kind of what I've been doing. And then, you know, just, you know, the regular stuff, just trying to keep my mental health together and um, try. I try to be physically fit, which means I get up from, you know, my bed to my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? COVID got me out here gaining like 20 pounds and Girl. I'm still working, but I'm Girl. doing less than what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The quarantine um, 30, uh, the quarantine 30, um, early. So <laughs> 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 now I'm just trying to figure out, you know, I came to see my mom and I saw her. I'm like, Oh, I'm all paid And I'm like, I'm what you know. I'm watching her eating habits. I guess she's on a diet because she's eating like you know half of what she normally eats. I was like, mm -hmm. I might. I'm like, what's your secret? She's like, bread lo chou le matin, bread lo chou. Yes, yes, crusted um gresla, right? Yeah, to I'm break like, up the grease. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I mean, really? <laughs> so I guess tomorrow I'll be uh boiling some hot water. <laughs> <laughs> break up that up that girl yep. break it up yeah Haitian <laughs> oh mothers I'm telling you I am telling uh, you they're undefeated <laughs> yes they are that they are so how is it being a mom a lawyer podcast host radio host um starting up all these new endeavors and being now a teacher uh I mean it's it is difficult, I will say. I think it, you have to have the personality for it. And not to say that people can't develop it, but I've always been somebody who was always doing too much since I was a kid. You know, like I've always, I was always in like 5 million things. I grew up in the church. So, you know, I, I was in choir and then I had to do, you know, I was in this department, that department, and then you had school projects, you had, you had school clubs. Then, you know, so I was always team too much in terms of managing life and so it just naturally became something that I did like I can't stay still I can't you know I've, I'm always to do something and so you know I have you know AD, ADD and I think that that helps me actually in doing all these things because my attention is you know split so many ways that I think mm -hmm. that you know you kind of have to have some sort of <laughs> dysfunction in order for you <laughs> to be able to um, to manage, but I think that for the most part, just um, being able to uh, schedule things as much as you can helps. Um, I'm a sticky note person. I have sticky notes all over the place. I write things. I have so many notebooks, so that's kind of my organization and um, prioritizing what needs to be done first, what can be done simultaneously. Um, so it is a challenge. 
because at the end of the day, my brain hurts. I'm exhausted. <laughs> just the it's mentally, I'm mentally exhausted because mm-hmm. you know you're just doing so much in a lot of times at the same time. But I don't think that I would want it any other way, to be honest, because I don't know what life with you know doing one thing at a time looks like. <laughs> So now that you have to kind of homeschool, it, it doesn't uh, bother you at all. I mean, it's just another uh, sticky note. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, the only part of it that bothers me is the fact that, you know, these kids just don't want to listen. It's like how many times it's like, you know, you, used to, you, you, you have to fight with them. Things, right. You know, clean your room, mm-hmm. wash the dishes, uh, uh, you know, things like that. Now, mm-hmm. you you know, the fight is even more. It's like, um, what are what are we doing right now? What subject are we on? Um, do you understand? You know what 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 I'm doing? Do you understand this math problem? Do you understand this reading problem? Okay, if you don't, why are you just hanging out on the couch? Don't you have work to do? So it's like you're a babysitter, you're a paraprofessional, you are a teacher. You're like 15 different things. So it's the part that bothers me is the fact that I personally did not go into elementary, middle school, high school teaching for a reason. It takes patience and I'm not a saint. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that I'm forced to have to engage in this is problematic only because it's just not something I naturally like to do. Um, but you know, it's just, but it's part of the routine. So every day I know I'm going to have high blood pressure at around 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might say bush more long at about three. So you know, I have to schedule these in. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. I'm glad I'm not in your predicament. My daughter's in high school. She can uh, do all that on her own. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a behavioral therapist, so I kind of beat you with that and I work with children with behavioral yeah. issues. So. See, so you're so you're good. <laughs> You couldn't do. I do it for a living. Hello. Uh, um, hello. Okay, I can hear you now. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Oh my God. Wait, wait. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Someone was. Uh, uh, trying to call through or whatever, so uh, kind of, yeah, you know what happens. No one yep. gives you a break. <laughs> well, I might have to hit you up on the side to talk to you about, you know, behavioral issues and kids because I definitely need, you know, um, that's, you know, more, I guess, information and guidance. Like the one thing that, you know, makes it a little difficult with my son too is because he is, you know, a kid who's like on an IEP for like the behavioral issues. So that also adds a layer of difficulty when trying to get this kid to do schoolwork. Right. Yeah. I mean, did he have any services that he just now doesn't have because school is um is off? Um yeah, like you know, when he was in school, he had like, you know, the group counseling services and you know, he actually had para like although the para does check in with me, um, it's a little harder for her to really actually, you know, work with him because everything's remote, you know, the kid has to actually, get her, you know, her call and, you know, it's, so it's every, everything has kind of just been, you know, put to the side in a sense. So, 
um, you know, that, that I think that's the part that's a little difficult. Like, I think they might they might have tried to see how that would work. But I, I will tell you that at least with his particular school, you know, I feel like, you know, they do they did drop the ball on a lot of things. And I'm hearing that across the board, actually, with other parents that, you know, this thing happened. I understand that, you know, this pandemic came out of nowhere and they had to shift gears very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's definitely <laughs> left, left a lot of kids to kind of fend for themselves, a lot of parents, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to really deal with these kids. Right. I mean, I personally work with children that are under six years old. That's my mm-hmm. preference. Um, only because as they get older and they get more aggressive, oh, mm-hmm. their punches start to hurt, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Punches. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what punches? <laughs> Yeah, you know, yes. Um, These kids can become very violent and it's all sensory for them. They just do Mm -hmm. not know how to express themselves and their feelings. And if they become very anxious, you know, so, I mean, a three or four year old, I've I've, I've gotten hit by a four or five year old, three year olds, and it's it's not soft and sweet. Let me tell you, it's not. You know, so, um, <clears throat> but I'm a behavior therapist. Mm-hmm. So now, not only my behavior therapist, because my client is not um, in school and isn't getting those. Listen, I got to be a speech therapist. I got to be an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. I got to be a physical therapist. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. And the school system, <clears throat> I don't know what they thought. They send little packets for certain services. Like, how can you send a packet or videos for, like, speech? Not speech I can handle because I, I handle speech here and there. But for occupational therapy and physical therapy, really? Mm-hmm. And you expect parents that have never had these protocols thrown at them to actually sit there and do these physical and occupational therapy protocols and be successful. I'm just saying. I I mean, luckily, I've been around other OTs, other PTs, other speech, so I'm a little okay. But a lot of these children, they're going to regress in yeah. everything. And can you imagine someone, and children develop up until they're like 25, mm-hmm. but a three, four-year-old, that kind of regression can yeah. come back. Oh, yeah, definitely. So Definitely. much behavioral issues. I had a, a, a child who's seven when I was working with him. He used to take the three foot long ruler when he would get upset and hit his classmates with it. Oh my gosh. So I just don't. <laughs> you're, you're, doing God, you're doing God's work. You're a saint. I'm going to call you Saint Alexandra Marie. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want <laughs> to imagine the regression that's coming in September if school happens to open in September. I, oh, I yeah, because that's, yeah, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a show, you know, it's going to be a sideshow. It's going to, it's going to be, I mean, I don't even think people can like even really comprehend or fathom the degree of messed up that's about to happen in September if schools actually open. <sighs> So well, I will maybe say my I prayer. Maybe I need to take a month vacation. 
and you, come back in you, October. <laughs> listen, you might need you might need a, a an extra an extra month of just sheer just I don't know woosying meditation retreat something. Probably, I believe <laughs> it. Oh, well, speaking about your um radio show and podcast, what inspired you to do both of those? So the podcast Frida's World, that came out of the Frida Women NYC brand. So it was there to kind of be an additional arm of the company where I focused on professional women of color. Primarily, you know, we primarily talk about workplace issues, but um, we know we talk about other areas of our lives as well, too, such as, you know, um, health and wellness, relationships, um, so that started in 2017 and, you know, I, I, you know, it was a weekly podcast. And again, we talked about the various issues that women of color face. And I think in the beginning, the slogan was both in and out of the workplace. And I enjoyed it because, you know, it was not, it was a learning tool for myself because I learned a lot just by the different types of guests that I would interview and the different topics that I would bring up. Um, but it was really good to know that it actually, was you know desired by individuals like people would send me text messages they would send me emails like oh my gosh like I just went through this issue with my bus the other day or I just went you know experienced this this particular situation so people were resonating with it and so that's what continue allowed me to continue doing it you know um for this long really it's going to be three years now since I've had it and so that was Frida's world. And so according to RP, kind of in a sense, fell into my lap um, about a year after, I think, about a year after, yeah, because it's going to be two years now that I've done according to RP. So about a year after I had started the Frida's world, one of my um, friends who's a huge supporter of just anything that I do, he was like, hey, you know, I have a friend I went to college with who has a radio station. She's looking for new talent. Um, you know, I think that this would be great for you. It would help promote, you know, whatever other brands you have going on. So I was like, all right, cool. So I tried to figure out what would I call this? What would I actually talk about? And I know that I wanted a platform that I could address everything that I don't technically, you know, that I don't necessarily um, touch on with Frida's World. Because Frida's World is really primarily geared toward women of color. You know, if a man wants to listen, okay, but it's it's very specific and it's very focused. Whereas mm -hmm. according to RP, I can talk about whatever I want that, you know, you know, with, with the lens of a black community and I can have male guests, female guests. We could talk about any type of subject. I can curse at times, you know, so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was, so it allowed me a platform that I can truly express who I am. And I think people, even though they get to know me pretty well on Frida's world, according to RP, I think my personality shines out more because the issues, you know, I can go in so many directions with it. So um, I didn't think that I was going to do according to RP more than six months, to be honest. I was just going to test it out. But I was able to highlight so many local entrepreneurs. I was able to, you know, address so many issues um, that are facing, you know, the black community. I've been able to provide commentary on so many things. And, you know, with this particular administration, there's no shortage of, you know, of topics. And so I've just continued doing it. And it's been it's been really good since. It's good. Good. I actually do like, um, according to RP, I did hear one or two Frida World um, 
episodes. Mm -hmm. Not that it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. I just really just don't have time. Yeah, no, listen, and that's, and that's the thing with the podcast, you know, it's a little difficult, you know, a lot of times to really uh, expand your podcast, unless it's like, you know, you're already kind of out there famous or whatever. It's really hard when you're still considered like a little fish to get to the big pond because you are relying on people to tune in and to listen and not everybody. I mean, I have other friends who have podcasts too, and I don't always get to listen. Like what I'll do is I'll pick a day maybe where I'll try to binge through a couple because I understand how important ratings and downloads, like I know why that's important. So I'll, you know, do it. Even if I'm in the shower, I'll play it in the background just so I can get that download in for them. But yeah, most people do not have the time to listen to five to 10 different podcasts on a daily or weekly basis. Girl, I don't have the time to listen to one. <laughs> I don't know when was the last time I listened to like a radio show, mm -hmm. like you know, or anything like that. I'm all I get home, and for me to like decompress, I put I'm like, hey Google, Pandora. That's it. Yeah, that that that's it. You know, and um, if I do come across something, yes, of course, I do try to show love because people, you know, show me love, but. I'm also not one of those people, you know, I like my um, audio engineer, he'd be like, yo, you got to get your Instagram, you know, people think you're like dead or something. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, but you know what? I'm a mother of a toddler. Like, like, <laughs> y'all think I'm dead? Fine. You know, I try to post on stories as much as I can. I always say, you know what? Even little people, if they're starting something, they just need to hire an intern and like an assistant because you just can't do it all. Yeah, you really can't. You, you can't. You really can't. It, it, it's difficult. It's hard. It gets in the way, especially if you have a full-time job, you have other ventures going on, you have kids. It's just difficult to really, you know, pour in the time that's needed to really get yourself seen. And to, so you're going to, you have to constantly pump out content and, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not the easiest thing, you know, easiest thing to do by yourself. Oh, no, believe it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how would you um, define success? Hmm. I mean, I think for me, success is, you know, achieving a goal that you set out for yourself, not necessarily what others have set out for you, because I think, you know, with being, um, you know, a child of Haitian immigrants, you know, they had their vision of what they wanted my life to look like. They set parameters for me. They set boundaries very early on. And I think that, you know, a lot of people, they kind of get, um, sidetracked and hung up on other pe other people's wishes on their lives. Like being Haitian, you know, Opinion, others' opinions are very, very important. And a lot of us have allowed that to dictate our lives. And so our understanding of success, uh, I think, was a bit skewed. But I think for me, I was able to break out of that mentality pretty early on. And I think that if you set a goal for yourself, uh, whatever that may be, because success is measured in so many ways, not just about money, not just about fame. Um, but I think that if you set a goal for yourself, and you are able to achieve that goal, you know, with hard work, perseverance, I feel like that is success. That is success to you. It might not be success to somebody else, parents or whatever, 
But if you've if you've done what you set out for you to do and you've achieved it and you've done it, then that's that's success to me. Agreed. Definitely. So with that, what's the most important thing you've learned in your life? What was your life before learning it? And what in your life has changed after learning it? All right, let's see if I can get this in order. So <laughs> the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the most important thing I would say that I've learned in life is to, you know, um, I guess block the, block out the noise, meaning the noise of the, not just the naysayers, but just, you know, people's opinions, not caring so much about what other people think about you. So really blocking the noise and really, um, you know, standing on your, on your own two feet, standing your ground. That's something that I learned. Um, I would say, um, I would say that I learned to stand my ground pretty early on, but I would say that it took me a while to really get the hang of block, of the blocking the noise part. Because again, we were, you know, Haitians, we were conditioned to accept other people's opinions, whether we asked them or not. We were conditioned right. to care about what other people think about us, even if their opinion is irrelevant. They have no, you know, no, no reason to have a say in our lives. And I think that, you know, in growing up, I've allowed, you know, I've, I've either wanted, you know, the opinions of elicited approval from people that I did not necessarily need to get approval from, you know, if they didn't approve, then that totally either knocked me off my horse. And I feel like, you know, getting to the point where I learned that it's, you know, what people have to say about you does not define who you are. Um, I think once I got to that point, everything started to change. You know, it's not to say that I'm completely, you know, mastered this, you know, we're still human. And sometimes we do, you know, want or wish, you know, for certain approvals and whatnot. And we allow people to to get under our skin that time. But I think that in, in under, acknowledging and understanding, you know, that this was something that was a hold on my life and was preventing me from really moving forward and achieving and striving in the way that I, you know, was created to do, um, I think that 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 that's the point, I guess, at where, you know, my my life was changed. And I guess how is it how I guess am I now after I learned that valuable lesson that, you know, block the noise, do not let other people's opinions define you. Um, I think that I'm in a much better place to move forward and carry out the my agendas Um I'm in a much better place to create. I'm in a much better place to mentor. I'm in a much better place to teach. Um, I just think I'm in a much better place to just move forward because now when I'm moving forward, I'm, I'm moving forward as Rita. Everything that I do is, you know, I know that this is what I want to do. This is how I want to move. And I'm not being pressured or I don't feel like I have to succumb to others' approvals um, and whatnot. So that would be my long complicated response <laughs> no i mean it was a long complicated yeah, like question so i expected it as much no worries um with that what would you tell your younger self um pretty much in line with the question that you asked what i would tell my younger self is you know um trust your gut 
you know, I believe that a lot of us, you know, we, our gut was with us from, you know, as early as we could, you know, formulate sentences and, and actually think, right? Uh, I think a lot of us, we do not trust our gut and we're, we don't, we're not confident in ourselves. So I would tell my younger self to trust your gut trust, you know, trust in who you are, um, you know, be confident in who you are and in your abilities, even if, you know, people or things or whatever are making you feel as if you're, you know, you don't know what you're doing or you're not capable or you're not worthy, but to trust yourself, trust your gut, um, you know, and, and to be more confident in who you are and your abilities. So with Frida's world and you know, being a Haitian um, American female of color, how do you handle adversity and doubt? Mm -hmm. I would say for me, um, I mean, one, I'm a God-fearing woman, so I do pray. I do pray a lot when I get to the point where I don't know what's going on, where I'm feeling doubtful, because we're humans. And, you know, regardless of whether we're Haitian, not or whatever like you know we're humans we're always gonna there's always gonna be a point where we doubt ourselves right um i think being haitian though kind of adds an extra layer to it because you know at least for my myself and a lot of my friends our the way that we were raised was just was just very interesting and we were praised for <laughs> you know being quiet we were praised for not having any friends we were praised praise for saying to ourselves and not being so overly um, I was <laughs> well but yeah my mom she still to this day she like still to this day and I'm 36 years old she'll tell people when I used to bring Rita to people's house she would just sit in the corner and she wouldn't move you know or she would say my daughter had no friends <laughs> You know, she had no friends. Mm -hmm. She spoke to her, mm -hmm. you know, she, she went to school, she did her job. She had no friends. This is a good girl, you know? Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> this is a great girl, <laughs> you know, like she's the best child you could ever have. You could ever hope for no friends. And so they love oh my the no friends. Well, by the way, mean. you have a brother or a sister or yeah. I'm your friend. Yep. You remember that? I'm Jesus. your friend. Jesus is your friend. <laughs> I used to get the Jesus is your friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm a, I'm a seeker. So at a very, very young age, because mm -hmm. I'm Buddhist. So at a very, very young age, um, you know, my mom, she, she tried. She, I did the whole Holy Communion. Out of all my siblings, I was the only mm -hmm. one that did the Communion, you know, born and raised Catholic. But I just couldn't get it. I have nothing against people that, you know, are God-fearing into Jesus and all that. You know, being Haitian-American and Catholic no less, well, that's what I was brought up as. You know, I couldn't understand praying the statues. I, could, I just couldn't get my mind around so many things and I would always ask questions and I would get hit for asking questions because it's just like I told mm -hmm. you this why do you need to know more uh no so I was the opposite of you. <laughs> I you know you came to my home and my mom would be like oh I don't care because I don't know these people why do you want me to kiss somebody <laughs> like no I don't know you. You're not my family. And even if you are my family and I don't like you, bro, like, nah, shit, nah, chill, homie. I'm not doing none of that. <laughs> yeah, see, I was, oh. yeah, we were definitely opposite because for me, it wasn't even about being a good kid. I just don't like, I never like to hear noise in my head. 
Like I was the kid, just beat me. I don't want to hear the lecture. Just <laughs> let me let me go get you the scent you want. Let me go get you the belt. Uh, because I really am not trying to hear your monologue right now. So for me, if I just did what I had to do, I didn't have to hear your voice. <laughs> and I remember telling my mom that too. One time I was just like, you can just beat me, you know. I would rather take the belt than to listen to this right now. They don't stop. You know, they're extra. Nah. They don't stop. And it's like 30, min- oh, 30 minutes don't. later. I'm like, really? <laughs> well you're lucky if you just had the belt okay like nah i don't know maybe your mom a little different haitian haitian but i we had the sandal we had whatever oh, was yeah. near I her mean, yeah i mean we had that too, but you know i say the belt because you know that's who a lot of people can identify right but i mean we've had all sorts of treats you know christmas presents my my mom's favorite was the race car track. My brother had gotten race car uh, race car set or whatever, and the tracks quickly became a, a, her weapon of choice. We would try to hide it behind the the washing machine or whatever, and she would somehow find it. The hanger. I used to have to dodge shoes like like people in school used to be like, "How are you so good at dodgeball?" I'm like, "Cause I'm practicing every day in my house." You know, (laughs) she loved the shoe. She loved throwing the high heel shoe. So yeah, we definitely got you know extension cords. We definitely got you know the the gamut. I don't think I I don't think I was ever you know I had friends who used to get like you know beat with like the brooms. I don't know if I've actually got beat with a broom. I'd have to go back in my in my archives. But but yeah, no. But I would prefer to just get hit. You know, my my mom was she tried to be a ninja about it. She would. She was in the middle of the night, you know, she forgot to beat us before going to work. When she got back from work in the shower, we're taking a shower. Next thing you know, the curtain is full. So, you know, trust me, I've been, I got, I got my fear as much as I was a kid that listened, quote unquote, I got my fair share of baton for, I don't know why, <laughs> because I listened, but... <laughs> Now you know what you know what I used to always get a lot of the agenou oh right the leaning on your knees and they would put some rice okay you guys and make did you get the salt I used to get agenou on salt oh yeah. that's no, why I my knees rice. were so dark I used to get agenou on salt <laughs> I used to get I don't know if you remember like if when you had the carpet there was that plastic thing that was on the carpet so she used to turn it over would have like the spikes so i had to agenu on the spikes um yeah 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 no my mom like her and her friends used to come together um and this is what they used to do like let's create new 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 innovative ways to punish our kids uh because as we got older you know they didn't want like acs and them popping up so they used to sit so then there was this new chair there was a new chair um punishment where you had to do agenu with your knees you know, at one of those folding chairs on the bar with your back straight. So, mm. yeah, no, there was a lot of creativity happening in the household. <laughs> <clears throat> there was a lot, but you know, I yeah, guess I could, yeah. I guess, I mean, you know, you can say that may- maybe, we don't know for sure. Maybe that's what shaped me into the woman I am today. And maybe that's why adversity doesn't necessarily phase me so much, you know, because I was reading it all my life, escaping, you know, beatings and, 
you know, deal, dealing with lectures and, you know, and then just honestly, just watching my mom as a single mother, just take care of me, my brother, my grandmother, you know, she started off as a CNA and then I watched her years later. I had already like gotten to like college with her now wanting to go to nursing school and, you know, being an RN. So I feel like that's how I, my approach to adversity is like, it's almost, I don't even see it as adversity. You know, our lives had been, you know, full of it. And so it's kind of like a way of life. And so I know when hard times come my way or when a difficult situation comes my way, I don't even stop to be like, oh, this is adversity. I just, I automatically pivot. You know, I think my, my training as a Haitian American mm-hmm. has, has allowed me to just take things in stride and just pivot and not necessarily let things knock me down so quickly. Right. I don't know if this generation has uh, that. Uh... They don't have it because they're not getting beat. <laughs> ACS is like, put, ACS put a stop to this, man. They put a stop early because when we were kids and our parents beat us in the school might ask questions, we knew to say we fell off our bike. These these kids now, these kids now were like, nope, my mama hit me with a belt, with a shoe. And I'll tell you what time she beat me. Like, <laughs> these I don't think it's the beating that's making them <laughs> like stop. Cause I mean, my my daughter, I don't I haven't really like beat my daughter or whatever. And you know, she's in honors, and you know, she can handle herself. And, and the girls are like normally that. good. I'm, not, I'm usually not fearful. Uh, but it's the, mm, it's the, it's the, mm, the boys are like that. I don't know. I Everybody I know that. who has girls. Girls are evil. There's some of the things that my daughter tells me. Like I had to, I had to open um, a harassment um, complaint when I think my daughter was like in middle school or whatever. I had to open a harassment. I don't play. The the Elizabeth Board of Education knows. <laughs> I do not play. My daughter, what what's wrong with her grade? Like the principals don't want me in the school ever since like she was young. They don't want me to go into school because I, I don't have time for it. You know, I'm somebody that, look, listen, her education means a lot to me. So if you can't teach her properly, I don't have time to speak to your principals. I'm going right to the board of it. No, we can handle it. Apparently you cannot <laughs> handle it. So I must come in to handle it. What I think it is, it's the teachers. It is the teachers that are making our children soft because they are not allowing them to solve their own conflicts among mm. each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then you got all these little kids that want to be tattletellers. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, do you not have a brother and a sister? Like, but I think it's bad. That's what? where it's all connected, though. I feel like, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I believe that the schools definitely have created, you know, um, this this layer of softness with our children. I see it. Sometimes, so- yeah, yeah I remember my son one time was like in elementary school and he was feeling sad and he was like, oh, you know, the fifth graders are all graduating. And so the kids, you know, they need time to express their emotions. I'm like, what does that have to do with him not doing well in school or with him not, um, you know, doing well in, the, in today's class? Oh, we need to give them time to like, you know, mourn that their the fifth graders are leaving. And I'm like, you have to be kidding me. But um, you have to be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. And so, yeah, I believe that the teachers are teaching these kids that they have rights 
and that they can, you know, they can, you know, be however they want to be. And in a sense, some of that is counter counterproductive because that takes away from some of the lessons and some of the strictness that the parents were trying to instill in their kids, whether it be via beating or just be via just, you know, being, you know, strict with them in the household in terms of what they can and cannot do. So I, I definitely agree with you. I think that the system, along with, you know, the teachers, I guess, involved in the system or whatever, is definitely softening up our kids and they're doing them a disservice. Yes, especially with the participation award. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Why? You're in school. You have to participate. That is the number one thing. Did you win or not? Did you win the spelling bee or did you not? If you did not win, if you did not spell the winning word, you do not get a, 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 a an award because you're not the winner. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't understand. Oh, I had an award no. for participating no. in what? Like my daughter would come home, you know, first, second, third grade, second week of school. Mom, I won an award for best, you know, um, best student or something. School hasn't even been in session for a whole marketing yeah. period. Best yeah. student at what? Yeah. Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. I, I just can't. I can't <laughs> with you, them. I can't. But on the topic of us being mothers, um, this is this is going to be heavy with the whole. Um, you know, before I, I came on here, I was just scrolling on Instagram. Um, and the whole George Floyd thing. And not just George, but, you know, Trevor Martin. And just every every young Black man that has lost their lives due to senseless, senseless, arrogant mm-hmm. police officers. <clears throat> and we both have, you know, young boys. And mm-hmm. you, your son's 13, correct? So how do you feel that about, not just about the George Floyd situation, but how do you feel about people viewing your son like, as if he's 18? Because I, I think that's what it is. A lot of Police, I think there was a poll, but a lot of police officers, um, there's a five-age difference when they see mm-hmm. a Black person. So he's 13, mm-hmm. they might think he's 18, or he's, you know what I mean? So how do you feel? I mean, to be honest, it's, um, it is something that's difficult, you know, every day when your child leaves the house, wondering whether or not they're going to get into some sort of you know, altercation or just, or not even altercation, just happen to be walking down the street, minding their own business and get caught up in some stuff. Again, particularly, you know, my son is 13. He is of a decent height. He's also, you know, a little, a little chubby. So he doesn't look like a 13 year old. Um, The other thing too, is that my son, you know, he is, he can be a little oppositional, you know, um, that's, you know, again, part of the how IEP thing with him. But he's somebody who's who can be oppositional. If you do not speak to him properly, if you challenge him improperly or unjustly, he has a very 
um, sharp mind when it comes to like morality as a, his, his moral compass and his compass for justice is very much developed too much. So for a child, his age, especially during the time that we're living in now, because he doesn't, un- he's still, you know, is developing in personality and he still doesn't understand that, you know, life is not fair. And, you know, so everything for him is that this is not fair. Everything's about fairness for him right now. He, you know, he has that a very high standard for fairness, but we live in a fair society. And so it's very scary for me knowing, you know, I have like a tracker on his phone because at any moment anybody can approach him. And depending on how they approach him, I don't know how my son will react. And there, and there goes, you know, there goes him being smashed against, you know, a police car on the floor, there goes him potentially, um, you know, getting shot and killed. So the threat is actually really real for me because I understand my son's personality and because of the way that, you know, my son appears, you know, like you said, he, I wouldn't say he looks 18, but I don't know what is looking, you know, I'm saying that because I'm his mother, but who knows what, you know, others might view him as. So it is really difficult, um, you know, raising a kid at this time, being a teenager, him being a teenager where it's prime, you know, this is prime time, you know, for, for him in the, in these streets with these cops mm-hmm. and, and, you know, these vigilantes. So um, it's definitely a fear that I have honestly on a daily basis. And even now during this pandemic with everything that's going crazy right now, you know, I've been encouraging him to go outside, like, Hey, go outside, go around the block. You know, we live in an apartment building, so it's like you need some air, some mm-hmm. sunlight. And he's just like, Mm-mm, I don't want to go outside. He doesn't want to be outside because I think a part of him knows what being outside, you know, it, you know, might, you know, there might be some danger to that because I think he's processing himself what is happening. And I feel like for his own safety, he thinks that the mm-hmm. inside is better, which is scary. And it's sad because a 13 year old kid should be at the park. They should, they should be able to walk around the block without any right. fear that they're going to get stopped or that, you know, a vigilante is going to hunt them down like a deer. Yeah, but <clears throat> there's a lot we can't do. We can't even sit on our couch, watch TV, oh, yeah. get yeah. shot in our own apartments. You know, they, they have no, they have no regard for our lives. Absolutely none. And I'm actually in between a rock and a hard place when I look at, you know, the Instagram and all these, you know, mm-hmm. protesters and everything like that. And I asked myself, okay, you guys are looting and destroying companies mm-hmm. in our neighborhood. I understand, you know, I get it. We're fed up. Don't get me wrong. Hello, I'm Haitian American. We're, we're the first black people to get our independence. So it is in our blood to mm-hmm. really understand, right? But it's not our people that's doing this. You're hurting our targets. You're you're going into like our WalMarts. You're going into like our convenience stores in our neighborhoods, where honestly those mm-hmm. cops don't give two shits about us. If you're really gonna loot and terrorize people, why aren't you doing mm-hmm. it in like the white yeah. neighborhoods? I'm just, I'm yeah. just I, I just don't get it. You know, at the end of the day, you are you're still hurting us. And, and all that hate and anger, you know, they're not seeing that. And then you have 
they implemented martial law in like some of these countries, in that country, some of these um, states and cities where, you know, after nine o'clock, because of all this looting and everything, um, police can actually shoot you to get you in your home. Mm-hmm. They're bringing out tanks. And all I could think about is I grew up during the Rodney King LA riot, seeing that at a, a really young age. And I'm just like, I just can't, you know, having a son, I just, I, I, I feel like every time I see something like that, like I just get more and more yeah. fearful, you know, now every, all the little white, you know, girls and all the, um, white ladies when they see him, you know, he's a, he's a little white skinned two-year-old with curly hair, brown eyes. Oh my God, he's so cute. Like, oh my gosh, you're such a cute little baby boy. And in all in my mind, I can think of, will you still think my son is this cute little boy at 13 years old when he's just coming home and he mistakenly like nudges you? Will you still think he's like this cute little boy? Or will you clinch your purse and want to, you know, get all Karen light and call 911 and say you're being harassed by a black boy or a, a black man? That's all I can think about. I actually move my son away the same way these white mm-hmm. um, women would move their purse away. I I actually move my, my son away. And people think, oh, black people can't be racist. First of all, I always tell people I have a Haitian mother. I've seen racism. I've seen racism in Black people. And all I could think of is, we're going to become racist. Like, we, there's just no other way. And people will say, well, we can't really be racist. We're oppressed and we don't have the money and da da da. I'm like, at the end of the day, the definition of being racist is not liking a race and judging that one race. And we have a, a lot that we can go by as far as judgment when Mm -hmm. it comes to the white race and you don't understand and you, and you don't know, you you can't know who you're raising and you don't know what little five-year-old is watching this right now. And you don't know how he or she will be when she gets older and what they will do to white people and cops. It's not just, white little boys and girls that want to go into schools and shoot up the place. If that was the case, then Africa wouldn't have young terrorists, young black terrorists that go into schools because, oh, this is, you know, not my village. And I want to terrorize this village because I don't like people living in this village. And yet they're the same color. So what makes you so sure? Like the kids of, you know, George Floyd, he had a daughter. You know, there's so many of these other young black men that had children. What makes you so sure when they get older, they won't want to do something to avenge their father's death? Like, they're just not. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot, um, you know, to unpack when it comes to this particular <laughs> issue. And the thing is, is that, you know, Yes, you know, with the looting and everything that's going on, you know, we can say that, you know, you know, we're hurting our own communities and all this other stuff. But the thing is, is that, you know, with 
everything that's been going on in this particular country, you know, for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And then we're talking about, you know, even as of recently, all of the back to back, you know, murders at the hands of the police, you know, the people are, you know, tired. And when we're talking about like revolutions and rebellions and things like that, like the most successful revolutions and rebellions have looked just like what's happening right now, buildings burning, um, you know, and whatnot. And, it, you know, to say that, you know, you know, this is the best way to, to, to handle it. You know, nobody knows what the best way is. What we do know is that, you know, the peaceful protesting and, you know, the, the lobbying and the trying to get legislatures and, and whatnot to, you know, to really address the issue has not worked. It has not at all. I mean, if it did, we wouldn't be where we are today. And so at this point, you know, this is a reaction to the injustices that keep happening. And people are like, listen, if burning down the police station is what that, you know, cop, Derek Chauvin or whatever, arrested, then how many more do we need to burn down to get more national attention? Finance, you know, money is, is what speaks. You hit them where it hurts, that's where you get the attention. And unfortunately, yes, you know, there are casualties. You know, I feel for the Black businesses that unfortunately, I guess, became casualties to this. But when people are talking about Target, they're talking about these corporations, yes, they're in the communities uh, where these Black people live. And I know that there's the argument that, you know, well, we don't own these 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 companies. And some people are like, well, that doesn't make it any better. But I think all those are real distractions. This focus on property, this focus on like material things. All of that is just a distraction from the real cause. The reason that all of this is happening is a response to an injustice in this country. That's why all these things are happening. It's not just because, you know, people, black people or white people, because there's white people looting, too, just felt like they wanted to be looters. It's because this is, you know, like they wanted to, hey, what, you know, what else can I get into (laughs) on a Thursday night? It's because like this is a real, this is a direct reaction to what has been going on. And we want to stop to it. And peaceful taking a knee was apparently offensive. Kobe Bryant where, you know, in the team wearing shirts, you know, in solidarity, Mm -hmm. I can't breathe after Eric Garner. That became a whole situation for the NBA. Mm -hmm. Like we've tried to peacefully bring our point across. And then what makes it worse is that you're watching these murders happen time and time again on, on, in broad daylight. You know, it's like, it's not even in the, yeah, it's not even in a corner, you know, behind, behind the building anymore. Like this, like you have people looking in the cameras while they're killing these people. Yeah. And so yes, that's what I, he was doing. Exactly. Yes, he was smirking. Exactly. And then you had he the vigilantes smiling. in Georgia. They were hunting down um, Ahmaud Arbery like he was deer. I mean, at what point is enough enough? And if we tried to do it the nice way and you still didn't listen to us, then burning buildings and chaos is what is going to happen. And it start. I mean, it, we, we, I'm not saying that the, 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 the Chauvin um, arrest is justice because it's not justice. I know some people are like, oh, we're one step closer. No, because this is a systemic issue. This is, a, this is larger than just this one officer and his other three lackeys. This is not justice at all. And I feel like, you know, by calling that justice, then that makes us feel like, oh, we can let loose a little bit. We can back up a little bit because things are happening. No, it's not happening. And so for me, if they need to burn a couple more buildings to get some real change, then they need to do what they... They need to do what they need to do because nothing else is working. <laughs> and, you know, it's, yeah, 
if they need to, if that's what they need to do, then that's what they need to do. I mean, I I hate that this is what's happening because there are a lot of innocent bystanders, a lot of people that are becoming casualties. But when we're talking about war, war, there are always casualties in war. Always casualties in war. Exactly. I'm just, I'm just thinking of everyone's mental, you know, and, and, and I think long-term, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the children, I'm thinking of like the four-year-olds, the five-year-olds and, and things like that. And I mean, at the end of the day, <clears throat> you're right. They didn't listen to us, but if they feel as though that another Malcolm X or someone worse mm-hmm. than Malcolm X in their eyes, because Malcolm X was just the devil in their eyes, cannot rise from this and make everything more militant, then I have no idea like what they're We just have to be educated. The day, they're they're honest they're just they're honestly they're honestly laughing at us, so to speak, because like I said, we are we are destroying well, things in our community. Now, if you're going to tell me you're going to like, because mm-hmm. um, I, I live in Jersey and I live in Union County, which is a which is a pretty okay. But if you're saying okay, we're going to go to Westfield, right? And Westfield has millionaires. Oh, okay, cool, cool. You know, there's plenty of cops that live in Westfield. Let's go destroy, you know, their homes and and shit like that. But when you're 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 coming, you're you're in your own backyard shitting in your own backyard i personally have a problem with that because they're already not distributing funds to us in that particular community or particular communities and you're you're shitting in your own backyard you already know you're not going to get funds so why destroy your own home basically that's all i'm saying go ahead you know let let's protest you want to loot and do all that but let let's let's do it in there. No, and I, and I, and I understand, you know, to an extent like that argument, but I think again, you know, one, you know, we're talking about, you know, people who are just fed up and tired, you know, so, you know, plan of what block to go like you're just tired like yo it's like it's like when it's when somebody is in their own home and they're fed up and they break the dishes they break all the dishes in their own damn kitchen at the (laughs) time you're not thinking about how expensive this dish is oh my gosh i have to clean up you are reacting at that moment to the injustice to the fairness whatever it is that caused you to break these dishes and then the hope is through all of this some sort sort of like i don't know cathartic release or what like something is going to result out of all of this and then a lot of those people too they live on that block but they don't necessarily feel that this is their community and i know i had seen like this like you know african proverb talking about like you know true. if the community village isn't you know keeping you and protecting you then you're going to burn it down to feel its warmth and that's essentially what i think a lot of people are doing the target that's in that on that block that target isn't owned by them the target the major corporation, you know, white people again. The white people have been colonizing these neighborhoods that we live in anyway. So a lot of these people don't even feel connected to the neighborhood that they, you know, are quote unquote, like, you know, destroying. So there's a lot of different, you know, ideologies when it comes to it. You know, people are coming from it from different angles. Not everybody is coming from it from the same. Again, you know, is it is it. I mean, it's 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 sad that this is what it has to come to, but 
I mean, at the end of the day, what at what what are you willing to pay for your freedom? If you're, you know, is your house more worthy than your freedom? Is that target on the lock more worthy than your freedom? Some people are seeing it from that. What what will you pay for your freedom? And they're not seeing the connection to oh the property or whatever the case is and this and that. They're seeing, listen, goddammit, I want my freedom. I want to be seen as a whole person and not three-fifths of a person. I want to be able to walk out of my house and not catch a bullet just for reaching in my pocket to get my gum. So they're like, you guys are going to kill me anyways. I might as well die fighting for it. And I think that is the idea of, of many. Now, obviously, there are some who are just on for the ride and whatever. But I think that, you know, for a lot of people, this like this is what they're they're willing to do. They're willing to lose their home. They're willing to to die for their freedom. Um, it's it's more than George Floyd, you know, losing his life at the hands of these murderers. It's a, it's just a, another, um, you know, it's just a another um, reminder that George, that George Floyd could be you. It could be your. It could even be your daughter because the police are manhandling women like it's nobody's business out there right now. I've seen several videos mm. of women being punched out. Right. <laughs> You know, so it's not even just about black mm-hmm. men anymore. It's about black skin, period. And, you know, I, you know, yeah. And anyone standing yeah. with them. I saw them push white, yeah. white women, kick yeah. a white man. It's, it's really, it's, it's sad. It's sad. Them. And, you know, obviously um, something needs to be done. But I think that right now, you know, the people are justified in their actions um, and I could only hope that, you know, the government, you know, with that big eye roll <laughs> will, you know, or whoever, whatever it is, the powers that be will, will acknowledge, you know, oh, I don't even know. You mean the Rockefellers in the, of the world? He doesn't care. You know, they yeah. answer to them. Yeah. Any man in the office. Any man, any person in the yeah. office answers to Who, the one Whoever it is, I, it I don't know. Whoever it is, because what I what I see happening is, you know, if there is a moment where, like I don't want to say agreement is reached, but some sort of respect is given, it's not because they're gonna like us. Like, so if we're doing this because we want them to like us or we want to feel whatever, that's never gonna happen. What what I anticipate or what I would want to happen is that. It's to the point where we're like, these people are not playing games anymore. So we either give them what they want or we can look to, you know, having to rebuild every freaking city in this United States. So let's call a ceasefire. Let's call a truth. What do you want? That's how I see it. I don't see a kumbaya moment happening. These white people are never going to like us. That's just what it is. But they but they have. Yeah. Yeah, but we've had so many riots. You this has been pretty bad, though, so far. So I would say within the last riots. several years, I have not seen so many buildings yes. down like this before. And I really believe that the burning down of that police station and other buildings is what led to the arrest of Derek Chauvin. We see Ahmaud Arbery two months later is when we're hearing about arrest in a, in a case where he was clearly murdered but with a gun on camera. I believe that if it was not for this concerted action that happened, that this guy would still, they would still be quote unquote investigating him. 
they would not have charged him so quickly. I used, I mean, I used to be in law enforcement. I used to be a prosecutor like this. I do not believe that that would have happened had it not been for what was taking place right now. I think what ignited the spark was just his behavior when he was pretty much killing, you know, while killing um, George Floyd. I think it was his behavior, his arrogance, smiling for the camera, him saying, I don't even think know, it was that. Yeah, I just think that working. we were tired of having another person you know? die. I think that, that that was that. Like, we just had to deal with Amy Cooper and, and her almost getting a black man killed in Central Park mm -hmm. of all places. We just finished seeing Ahmaud Arbery. We just finished hearing about Breonna Taylor, like all within a, this all within a span of a couple of months. And then now we are witnessing a live lynching on TV. No matter if he had stepped on his, on his knee or in his, on his neck with his knee or just shot him point blank, it was still another black person. And we are also in a pandemic. So we've already been itching to be outside to begin with. So, so we right. and antsy. Now uh -huh. you want to do this. Now it set it off. And I think all of the all of that had something to do with why we're just like you know we've been inside for like two months now, and y'all want to just be killing people in a pandemic that's already disproportionately killing black people, and now you want to do this in our face. Like at this point. You don't respect me. We're tired of it. And at this point, I don't give two shits if your beloved target is burned down. <laughs> they should have burned Walmart. I don't know why they went for Target. Walmart is, is white people central. Walmart is where the white is, is where the right, parents live. They should have went to Walmart. <laughs> That's what I keep saying. That's what I'm saying to you. I'm not disagreeing with the looting and all of that. I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. come on now. Like, they we we got to yeah. like, they should have, they should have went to Walmart. Go home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they, they, they walking out with the cheesecake, cheesecake girl. And then I saw the with whole lady. cheesecake. She walked out with the whole <laughs> cheesecake. <laughs> Asian of the state that burnt that down and even the target it was it was a, the state that was breaking down the windows that started that whole looting situation it wasn't even a black person so you know again you know a lot of this stuff is being instigated by you know white people and 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 whatnot as well too so yeah we're talking about looting looting how much of this damage was actually done by black people too that's the other thing that i think you know people fa fail to look at how much of this damage, these fires. Mm -hmm. I remember yesterday I was looking at a video on Instagram where they were in front of a state building. I think it was even like a, a courthouse. And they were, the, the one guy was like, I was just here a couple of weeks ago for jury duty. Mm -hmm. These bricks were never here. This is not a construction site. Why are there bricks strategically placed and piled in front of this building? Because they're setting a trap up for people to go and loot, and then they're gonna say, "Oh, look what the black people did." So you know, there's this, there's so much involved in all of this, where you know we could probably yeah. go on forever and ever and ever. Hello, hi, can you hear me? 
Yes, yes. I hey, okay, you. cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so we had got cut off um, before. Uh, no, I did not go back, everyone, to see where we got cut off at. <laughs> but um, we I did think we were to... wrapping up, though. I think yeah, we were at yeah, the end yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, and we had two different um, opposing, you know, arguments. Um, and I found that to be refreshing, you know, um, two, you know, strong minded um, women of color when we had two opposing arguments and there was no bitch, you crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? There was no craziness. There was just, you know, and I, and I think that's, I think that was a plus, you know what I'm saying? That's just me. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with having differences of opinions. It's just that, you know, just being able to respect that people, people have different opinions because people have different experiences and some people's experiences, you know, drive them to think one way while others drive them to think another way. It's not to say that either of them are wrong or that either of them are even right. It's just that, you know, they're influenced by their, their life experiences. Exactly. So, um, where can people find you? Um, well, let's see. There's there's numerous ways where you can find me. My my <laughs> my podcast handle on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter is Frida's World. F R E E D A S underscore World. Um, you can follow me on my personal um, Instagram. It's I am Rita Pierre, R-I-T-H-A Pierre. Um, and my other radio show slash podcast handle is uh, According to RP. So you can get me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm mostly active on Instagram. So if anyone's really trying to uh, send me a message, I respond to DMs. You can go ahead and do it on Instagram. Now she's way better at uh, interacting than than I am. <laughs> Maybe I should hire her because I'm just like, yeah. So I. Awesome. Awesome. It it took time to get here. It took time. <laughs> busy with everything else, and to sit there on and deal with social media. But yes, we have to do this um, again. And I, I, I do understand that we're both crazy busy and things, you know, but there are so many things that we can discuss. So many things. Oh, like yeah. 2020 election, Trump craziness and things like that. I would <laughs> to get on your, your show and um, bite your ear off on this, certain things. But um, <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. Let's, you know, let's figure out a time to schedule. I think, it, you know, uh, now is, 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 you know, better than, than any time. Everyone is, you know, although we're slowly starting to get back to, you know, I guess real life, you know, people are starting to go back to work and I hear daycares and stuff are starting to open and whatnot, but, mm -hmm. you know, we'll make time to, 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 to have another conversation. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. Thank you so much for jumping on and um, speaking with me and discussing with me. You're welcome. Anytime. All right. Have a good one. Stay blessed. You too. Bye. So, hey, guys, that was Rita Pierre. What an amazing, refreshing conversation that was. And like I was saying, and if you heard, 
um, our podcast, different opinions, and like she said, different experiences. For me, um, black people have been disenfranchised for so long. We're in a time where there's no room for anonymity. We have to speak up, we have to stand up, and we have to fight. But my only concern is, in doing so, do we stand up and speak out while hurting our people in the process? And is that the best way to get our message across? You know, I know some of you may be thinking, why is she so peace, peace? Like, you know, our people are dying. I understand that. Believe me, I understand that, that our people are dying, that our people are being targeted, that our people are scared. Our children are scared. I'm a mother of two children, you know, and my son is going to be three in September. And every day, I promise you, all I could think about is the world he's going to see when he's a teenager and how the world is going to see him. I fear for his life every single day. And yes, there will be casualties as always in war. But in my opinion, there are different ways to hurt them. And by hurt them, I mean America, I mean China, I mean the UK, I mean the whole world that is against us. I mean anywhere that targets us. There are ways to hurt them. I mean, let's take this COVID-19 pandemic and how they poured money back into the economy so money can go back into the economy, right? Circle of life. So one of the ways that we can hurt them, truly hurt them, is their pockets, okay? So when we get back to the new normal, do we really need to purchase all of the new Jordans and Air Maxes and Gucci and Michael Kors that's coming out? I don't think so. We have such a high buying power and they know this. So why not protest in that way and be serious about it? Hurt their pockets. And another way that we can get what we want and make a change and actually see change is to appoint people that look like us, that believe in the same beliefs that we do. We need to appoint judges police commissioners, mayors, school board officials, so on and so forth, because take a city like New York City. I read as of 2019, as of December 2019, it had 72% non-Black and non-Hispanic people employed. That all needs to change. I'm sorry, but 72%, 72% are white? No wonder. And it's not just, you know, New York City. And we're not talking about a place somewhere in Wisconsin where the, you know, the percentage to white, black, 
Hispanics and indigenous people where, you know, whites probably surpass. You know, I lived in Durango, Colorado at one point in my life, and I think there was 6% or less than 6% blacks there. I could actually count how many blacks that I saw in like two, three miles, square miles. It wasn't many. We're talking about New York City here. We're 72% of the people employed in the New York City Police Department. I'm talking about everyone. They were white. It's That's what needs to change. Okay, we can't just come out when we want, you know, to vote for a president every four years. We have senators, we have governors, we have mayors, we have people that control different boards and different districts and different wards. You know, we have um, the police board, we have the union, we have the board of education. There's so many ways to make change and it all begins with us going to the polls and voting for our people. I'm sorry, but I believe voting that way, in my opinion, and you can take this however way you want it, left, right, you know, I just feel as though there's just so much when it goes to voting for the president where, you know, a mayor, I'm sorry, you guys, I think I'm like getting a cold or something, but a mayor or, you know, someone in the Board of Education or someone that's representing our ward or our district. Um, there's politics in everything, don't get me wrong. But I feel as though there's less politics in that where we might get an honest person that is representing us, Right? than someone in the Oval Office. And that's just that's just me. That's my opinion. Again, this is my show. I can, it's my opinion. You could agree. You could disagree. At the end of the day, it's, it's numbers like that that needs to change. Because let's keep in mind, you guys, Black is powerful. It is amazing. Black is a noun. It's a verb and an adjective. And furthermore, it is an action verb do you hear me you guys it is an action verb the time is now and i just want our people right to not have to lose what they have fought so hard to have for themselves and for their families i don't want us to go out looting and destroying their businesses. It's just in my eyes, in my opinion, we fight so hard to get those loans. We fight so hard, you know, to be taken seriously. And to go out in our neighborhoods and to destroy that in my opinion it's disheartening and it's very heartbreaking 
So if you choose to go out and protest, however way you feel as though can bring change for you, however way you feel as though can help you move the needle and have your message be heard, however way you feel as though you can make America actually great again or make wherever you live actually great again, all I ask is that you try to make it as peaceful as possible. However that looks for you. Just try. Again, I have nothing against, you know, the militant way. I have nothing against everyone being armed. I have nothing against everyone being armed and everyone, um, you know, having their afros out all in black, just like the Black Panthers. I have nothing against that. What I have an issue is, is we become so outraged that we go and destroy property, giving them the reason, more of a reason to hurt us. And I just don't want to see any of my brothers and any of my sisters I don't want to see any more of us dying. And if you feel as though looting and destroying is your way to send your message, I am not in disagreement with you. I'm not. I just feel for those families and business owners that know that if you were to destroy their property in our neighborhood, it would be 10 times more difficult than if you were to destroy a mom and pop, even in our neighborhood, that's white. I want you to think of that. I want you to think of a pizzeria that's owned by Michaels in our neighborhood being destroyed. How quick. Can Anthony Michaels get a loan versus Jamal Williams? I just want you guys to think twice, please. As always, we are who we ought to think we ought to be. Stay blessed, you guys.